Flying Casuals brought to you by Patreon supporters Brent, Andy Dugan, David Bush, Rob Patsky, Jory Webb, Kelly Breckner, Nate Edison, and Wes Anderson. May the force be with you. Vader is waiting for me in the corridor ahead, standing in silence, his lightsaber already pulsing red. He knew I was coming, that I was on board his engine of destruction. Does he know what I've done? Have all my efforts been for naught? Why won't he say anything? As motionless as a statue. Nineteen years. Nineteen years since I left him to die. Nineteen years of reliving his corruption every night in my dreams. What does he look like under that mask? What does he see through those ruby lenses? A friend? An enemy? A relic? He appears so calm, so controlled, but I can feel his rage, seething like the perdition nebula beneath that heartless faceplate. His fury threatens to overwhelm him, just as it always did, but he keeps it in check. I can't help but be impressed. The Emperor has taught my former Padawan well. I can only imagine the poison that has spilled from Palpatine's lips since Mustafar. Savor your hatred, my apprentice. Nurture it. Let it empower you. Let it bring you strength. I always knew this day would come. I just didn't know where or when. I certainly never imagined it would be in a place like this, on a planet killer the like of which the galaxy has never seen. A million voices cry out as one, washing over me, their pain my own. Finally, Vader steps forward to meet me. My lightsaber ignites, the vibration of the power cell rising at my arm. I've been waiting for you, Obi-Wan. We meet again at last. The voice is unrecognizable. How little of my friend is left. Another memory assaults me. A woman lying on a bed, her breath shallow. There's good in him. Did she really believe that? After everything he had done? If she did, wouldn't she still be here? Wouldn't she have lived? What would she think of him now? No. My friend is dead. Of that I am certain. The thing in front of me is not Anakin Skywalker. You're listening to Flying Casual, a Star Wars podcast. Here's your host, Michael Canterbury. Star Wars family, welcome to another episode of Flying Casual, a podcast that's pretty big on Star Wars. I mean, we are a big Star Wars show. I'm just going to say it. Not like, you know, we have the biggest audience, but like we're big on Star Wars. So if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Hopefully you're big into Star Wars because it's an all Star Wars podcast. Um, apologies for the delayed episode this week, casual fam. When you, when you dabble in the dark side, sometimes Sith happens, you know, sometimes there's Sith plots and sometimes this podcast is plagued with them. And sometimes you have an epic 40 minute conversation and realize you're not recording. So apologize to our family about that, uh, but hopefully this one goes smoothly, and I'm sure it will, and this conversation will be twice as epic as the last one, and a casual fam, I am joined with me, as usual, as usual, while well, starting off hot, uh, already, Sam Adams. Sam Adams strikes again, damn you, Sam, I am joined by the lovely Holly, Holly, how are you doing this evening? I'm Good? Good. Quite a quiet evening this for is, Holly tonight. This is a quiet evening for me tonight, so I apologize. I'm not on my A game today. Maybe coming down with you know a sickness. Hopefully not COVID, but a somber Holly who will just bring some some straight Star Wars knowledge in a very mellow tone, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Perfect. And uh, fam, we are also joined by our handsome and knowledgeable in-house Star Wars encyclopedia expert, the one and only, the Elder One, Lucas Elder. Sir, how you doing? Hello. 
and followed the wild berry jamble. Oh, that's what I'm talking. I mean, uh, Luke, that thing is, I mean, let's get a look at that. That thing is blood red. It is if you are drinking a pint of blood with a little mm. foam on the top, which it's maybe blood is foamy heart. in a mug. I, I don't know. Holly, have you ever seen blood in a, in a mug? Not in a mug, but I've seen blood and it shouldn't be foamy. Well, put it in a, a cold mug. Maybe it foam. I don't know. I don't know. Luke so, likes his um, blood a little carbonated. Yeah, that's what it is, Luke. You're actually just a little bubbly, a little bubbly uh, in your bubbly. And folks, I hope you are also having a little bubbly of your own while listening. Uh, You know, likely most of you are on the job on your Wednesday. So maybe you're not getting to enjoy that bubbly. uh, But in time, you will, I assure you. And folks, at the beginning of this podcast, um, you heard an excerpt from a Story from a novel um, from Kevin Scott out of the Star Wars from a certain point of view, Star Wars's 40th anniversary um, book that, you know, had a, a huge compilation of stories from various authors. And, and you're probably wondering, you know, Mike, why are you referencing and creating a, a stunning um, um, uh, narrative there at the beginning for us listeners. What, why, why are you, why are you doing this? It's a 2017 novel, Holly. Like what, what could possibly be so interesting from something from three years ago? Right. Yeah. Well, folks, let me tell you to understand the future and the present. Sometimes you have to go to the past. So lately in Star Wars, people are talking about the Kenobi series, and there's rumors about Anakin Skywalker and, and Hayden Christensen repri- reprising his role as, as Anakin and Darth Vader, and and uh, there's talks of the Bad Batch and things like that. But in thinking of Kenobi, you know, I, I was brought back to Kevin Scott's story from 2017, and folks, this is one of the best stories out of this entire anthology of stories here from these authors um maybe not the best but one of the best um so it's it's a it's a story from the point of view of obi-wan kenobi and it all takes place from the time he confronted vader to his death a very short period of time holly we're talking maybe five lines in this moment of a few minutes of star wars and a new hope and that's what this moment focuses on but in this moment as Obi-Wan approaches Vader, and even through to his death, he has visions. He has flashbacks. So much happens in this matter of minutes of Obi-Wan's life. When people talk about them seeing you know, their life kind of flash before them, before their death, that is what we're talking about here with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's titled, the story is called, it's called Time of Death, which... It's kind of funny, but uh, not what I was expecting just reading the title. But this is one of the best stories in here. I I strongly encourage you to go read it for yourself. And that's what we're going to talk about today, um, along with the Bad Batch. But I really want to focus on the story of Time of Death and Obi-Wan. And honestly, folks, how I think this is almost a blueprint for what we're going to see in the Disney Plus series for Kenobi, that six-part series that we're expecting here and in the near future at some point from Star Wars. So if you read this, I mean, Holly, there's a lot of flashbacks. There's a lot of reading between the lines. You got to pick this up. Were you, I mean, am I overselling this? Were you blown away? (laughs) What what, what did you think? Um, I don't think that I was blown away. Okay. Um, I do think that there was a lot going on. I think that it was a very emotional read. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not just the sickness talking. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But I think that. You know, I think you kind of get to do like a deep dive into Obi-Wan's mind in, I mean, how many pages was that? Eight yeah. pages? Yeah. Maybe. Um, so if Obi-Wan is one of your favorite characters, I think that you'd really like to pick this up and read and kind of get a better feel for what's going on in those moments because you see it on screen, but you don't really get to feel it on yeah. screen the same way that you do when you're reading it on paper. Absolutely. I mean, a vulnerable Obi-Wan, right? Like... Obi-Wan seems pretty stoic, and I mean, that's a lot of Alec Guinness coming out in his acting, but a vulnerable Obi-Wan, a scared Obi-Wan. Before we get into the details of those flashbacks and, and how we think it could relate to the Kenobi series, Luke, you read this a while back, and I know we had a conversation, an attempted conversation last night, a conversation nonetheless, just not a recorded conversation, but uh, I know we'll get into all the thoughts we had last night, but you read this a while back. 
I mean, what did you think after reading this thing? You know, are you on the more side of Holly? You weren't as blown away. It was interesting. Or are you feeling it like me, like completely blown away by this? Let's go. Well, Michael, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm having trouble forming thoughts about this Obi-Wan story because Let's I'm go. still reeling from the revelation that 2017 was three years ago. <laughs> it's scary. It's scary. I sworn it was like 2032 by now. Uh <laughs> But no, I, th- I think it's I think it's powerfully written uh, how it, it pulls together uh, so many uh, threads of Obi Wan's story, yeah, uh, and all the all the deep uh, traumatic emotions he feels when when encountering Anakin again for the first time since Mustafar, maybe, yeah, uh, depending on where the Obi Wan series goes. You know, there's a lot of speculation about. Can Vader pop in there? Can they meet again, cross paths in some way in between there? Yeah. Uh, but at least, at the very least, you know, their they're first meeting in a long time. Uh, so I think, yeah, Kevin Scott does a brilliant job uh, with the writing he did, the writing for Dooku Jedi Lost, the, the audio drama, which is an excellent uh, listen if you haven't checked that out. And I think he's slated to do some stuff in, in the High Republic era. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, books and comics and everything that's coming out. So look forward to that based off of his, uh, his work so far. Yeah. He's, he's one to not share, you know, overwhelming detail about his projects, but he did tweet out just today or the other day that he is working on starting to map out his thoughts for the higher public. So yeah, like, I mean, for such a short period of time that he's dealing with, I mean, he was blown away that he got to, I was reading some of his own blog, and when he learned he got to write Obi-Wan, he was blown away. And then to hear, like, hey, so we're giving you, because this is what Star Wars does. It takes little moments and fills it in with a story. Not so much that it wants to, you know, you don't want to fill too much. We've talked out in the past. You don't want to fill in too much story there. If you do so, it could cause concern for either canon as we know it or you know future stories that we want to tell you don't want to throw too much in there so i'm sure when he learned hey you have a couple of minutes of time that you're dealing with i mean it's total flashbacks at that point but what he does is just it's it's beautiful in my opinion and you kind of have to it gets confusing at times right holly you're you're in present time on the Death Star and then there's a flashback to Obi-Wan in his younger years and then we're back on the Death Star and then we're on Mustafar like there's just you know it's kind of that back and forth you have to get used to but I mean in eight pages it it actually you know flushes out a lot here so let's let's get into some of these flashbacks that he has because they vary guys I mean we have Obi-Wan a younger version of himself delivering Luke to the Lars family uh, on their homestead there on Tatooine, handing over Luke to um, to Owen, and Owen actually they have the actual confrontation, not a confrontation. I guess it, it was could, a confrontation, <laughs> right? I mean, he says, "Yeah, I'll, you know, he we want explains what you know happened," and uh, Owen says, well, "Okay, I'll I'll raise you know I'll raise the kid, but you're gonna have nothing to do with him." You're, if you're going to be on Tatooine, you're going to be far away. You're not. I mean, you're not going to be around this kid. And you know, Obi Wan does it. Um, so that's one of the flashbacks we get. We get him witnessing Qui Gon, as painful as it was, succumbing to his wounds from Maul there on Naboo when his master is struck down by the Sith Lord. There, um, you know, painful experiences. We. <laughs> Obi-Wan even says he has a flashback to a funeral pyre for Darth Maul. That blew me away. I'm thinking, wait, who threw that? Who was the only individual around there at Maul's end? And it's Obi-Wan. Holly, you and I talked about this a little bit. We all talked about it a little bit last (laughs) night, but I was blown away after reading this because you think about the things that Obi-Wan's been through. A lot of it, a lot of those really hard times that he's been through are at the hands of Darth Maul. People talk about Anakin and Luke going through so much, experiencing so much hardship. And then you go back in Obi-Wan's, and this is what this is what this book did a great job of. It, it reminds you of all the pain and the suffering that Obi-Wan's gone through. And then we hear that he apparently had a little funeral pyre for Maul. Ollie, did, how, how did you take that news? Were you surprised? No, um, I don't remember exactly 
what I said when we talked about it before, but I just feel like that was, to me, very characteristic of Obi-Wan because when I think back to that moment in Rebels when, you know, he struck Darth Maul down and then they have that moment where Obi-Wan is cradling him as he's saying, like, he will avenge us, I think is what he says, talking about Luke. I just kind of feel like, um, I think Luke said, you know, that was there was some intimacy there that you feel. And so based on that moment and that ending to that scene alone, it wasn't surprising to me that then he would have a funeral pyre for him. But yeah, Luke, I mean, Obi-Wan's nemesis, this, 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 you know, annoying, no longer Sith Lord, you know, wannabe bandit. It, it, he's always around, and, and Obi-Wan always seems to defeat him. Um, and, and, and Maul has so much hatred for him throughout Clone Wars and through Rebels, but there in his final moments, uh, uh, like Holly said, uh, a gentle moment, almost a moment of all is forgotten. We we're, we're actually have the same goal in mind, and then we find out here that he maybe not a celebration of Maul, but a sign of respect, you know, creating a, a pyre here and burning him as the Jedi do for fallen Jedi. We saw Qui-Gon go through that. So, I mean, were you shocked by that as much as I was? Yeah, this was a huge moment to reflect on uh, for me when we started the conversation last night. And it just struck me uh, so strongly the juxtaposition between, uh, you know, Obi-Wan's caressing of Maul in an intimate yeah. way, in a compassionate way, uh, as he is expiring. Uh, they, and they sort of share that moment together. Yeah. Um, and to, to compare that to how he feels about Anakin at this point. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, he, he says, you know, he says on the Death Star to him in this, in this scene, right? Like you're pure evil or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, he tells Luke, like, you just have to go kill him. There's no option. There's yeah. no good left in him. Yeah. You got to go kill your father. You know, that's what he tells him in Return of the Jedi. So it, it's it, it was striking to me to think about the, the differences and the way that, that he uh, feels about these two, um, you know, who have caused him such pain. Maul caused him the pain of losing Qui-Gon, losing Satine, and, and just being a, a, a huge, like, thorn in his side <laughs> for so yeah. long. And uh, I, I, as I've thought more about it after our conversation yesterday and Holly and you made some good points along these lines, it was, you know, it was much more personal for him with Anakin. I think he expected more from Anakin, had a, a deeper personal connection with Anakin. So Anakin's turn hurt a lot more and scarred him a lot more. Absolutely. Whereas Maul, he always looked at as kind of this evil, I, I want to say almost beast. I was watching, um, I've been watching a lot of Clone Wars. I've been back heavy into my Clone Wars rewatch lately. And I just earlier today was watching some of uh, uh, Savage Opress's first Ooh. couple episodes, Maul's brother. And in the episodes, Obi-Wan refers to him as a beast. Yeah. Um, and so... I think he feels that way a little bit about Maul. Like, I don't expect more from him. He's, yeah. he's beastly, so it it doesn't um, it doesn't surprise me, or I can sort of like comprehend why he does the horrible things he does. Yeah. But with Anakin, yeah, you were my brother. Yeah. You were supposed to bring balance to the Force. You're supposed to destroy the Sith, not join them. That yeah. hurt and, and scarred so much more deeply than the the wrongs that Maul perpetrated on Obi-Wan. Yeah, I, Maul grew up in darkness. He was raised by the Sith Lord. That's that's what we expect of him. I can forgive him for that. He had no chance. But Anakin was the chosen one. He was supposed to destroy the Sith. And this prophecy that everyone proclaimed and that Obi-Wan was probably the only one who seemed to even doubt it until Yoda did there at the end. But, I mean, his future was already told. He would save the Jedi. He would save the light. He would save the Republic. And it's interesting because in, in another one of his visions, he goes back to the end of Revenge of the Sith where Padme is giving birth to the twins. And he says... um, 
He witnesses a woman lying on her bed, her last breath shallow, and she says, there's good in him. And he says, did she really believe that after everything he had done? If she did, why didn't she, why wouldn't she still be here? Wouldn't she have lived? What would she think of him now? And he says, no, my friend is dead. Of that I am certain. The thing in front of me is not Anakin Skywalker. He separates the two. It's as if Anakin and everything about him died there on Mustafar. He left him there. I think um, something that's striking in this that we kind of talked about before was there's that line in the in the story where he calls him Darth. And I think we've had this conversation before where it's, why would he just refer to him as Darth? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And something this story kind of said that made sense to me is he says he calls him Darth. He can't call him by his full name because that would break him. Absolutely. And I feel like that just shows how even after all this time, it's such a raw. Yeah thing for him to be going through still and to recall and remember as much as he spent all this time in isolation, he still hasn't had time to really work through the emotions from losing Anakin in that way. You're absolutely right. He says, uh, and that's the funny thing. Star Wars does such a great job of taking these moments where at the time his name was probably just Darth Vader, the Sith Lord. And then as time passed and, and, and George Lucas was writing more stories, like, actually, you know what? That Darth is going to be the title for a Sith Lord. And we're going to have Darth Maul. And we're going to have Darth Plagueis. And we're going to have Darth Sidious. But it's great what, what, what Kevin Scott does here. He says, yeah, only a master of evil, Darth. And Obi-Wan says, I cannot use his real name. It would undo me. Yeah. Even after all this time catching it in my throat the time for talk is at an end this must be decided once and for all he says he caught it in his throat as if he's still in the moment up until his death he's grappling with this man versus machine he even gives he even gives uh, he acknowledges vader's strength and his cybernetic being and how strong he is but he still grapples with the fact is anakin in there i almost called him anakin it seems and maybe that's why I called. I just, I just, just ran my mouth and said Darth, because I almost called a mannequin, and that 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 would mean that I couldn't strike. I couldn't do what was necessary, like I had to do on Mustafar after all these years. The confrontation he'd been expecting for so long, and like you said, Holly was still not prepared for it. Was still not prepared for it. Um, it's, I'm just like blown away uh, talking about all of this. It just blows me away so and then he has more flashbacks he has flashbacks of him training anakin with sticks and anakin's complaining that he doesn't get to use a lightsaber and he's ready for combat and everyone's like patience you're not ready like you're a little brat like chill out your time will come um and uh we talked about him coming to the, uh, the large farm and then there's this big moment where he sees himself lying on a bed tossing and turning and a voice calls out to him. I can't recall exactly what the voice says, but he senses that Luke Skywalker is in trouble and he sees himself wake up. And the only word that he utters out of his mouth and he wakes up is Luke. Well, he says, go to him, go to him. That's That's right. That's what the voice says. And he responds. Yes, master. I mean, we're talking, I'm assuming, about Qui-Gon, Holly. Is that, is that what you're thinking there in that moment? Qui-Gon speaking to him through the Force? I think you thought it was somebody else. I yeah. thought it was Qui-Gon. I think it checks out. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely some room for interpretation because we know from a certain point of view here in the Obi-Wan and uh, Yoda discussion of uh, Leia and Luke and who's ready, who's not ready, and who's the chosen one, this and that. Um, he... He's communicating with Obi-Wan and, and or Yoda's communicating with Obi-Wan somehow, somehow through the force. I don't think they're, ha- you know, have a secret meeting place there on Dagobah that they're hanging out. And then Obi-Wan's getting, you know, a red eye back to Tatooine. I, I don't think that's the case. 
Um, so they, there may be some communication through their force. That's why I thought it could be open for interpretation, but I think you're right. I think he's been training. I think Yoda prepared him for that training, and he's probably been training with Qui-Gon. And so Qui-Gon telling him, hey, the Chosen One's in trouble. you got to go. And something that I liked about that moment is because in that time in the story, he says it's a voice that he hasn't heard for years, right? Or hasn't been that loud for years. I think that was the, I think that was the second oh, instance where okay. he, but you know, you're right. He, he senses, you know, he has another voice speak to him later on. Um, and we'll definitely get to that towards the end of, of the flashbacks, but you're right. Um, I don't recall what page it was on. So he hears this voice. He runs to his God, I don't know what they are. Does anyone recall what they were? They're like a camel. Um, like AOP or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he runs, hops on his animal, and is headed straight for the Lars farm. And he he witnesses these bandits, like these marauders, who are attacking the Lars farm. This is a memory that he has. And there's three-year-old Luke Skywalker, terrified. He can't make it back to the homestead, and he can't run. He says he'll be killed either way. I have to intervene. And Obi-Wan does, whips out his lightsaber, starts slashing people left and right, cutting people in half. He puts his guard down for one moment, and this Gamorrean starts, a Gamorrean, which is hysterical. These, you know, we know them to be the guards there on Jabba's palace, not the brightest creatures. We saw it, Holly, in Clone Wars recently, you know, guarding that gate, easily convinced to lose their focus. Not the smartest creatures, probably not the best warriors. But going to attack Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan's guard is down, and all of a sudden, the Gamorrean is distracted by something, and it turns out little Luke Skywalker threw his toy, whatever it was, a Skyhopper or a Starfighter, whatever it was, hit the Gamorrean, distracted him, gave Obi-Wan an opportunity to turn and destroy the Gamorrean. And Obi-Wan says, he saved my life. Luke Skywalker saved my life. And in that moment, the Lars family is witnessing this, and they're, they're terrified because Luke didn't run in that situation. Luke run, ran towards Obi-Wan to save him. And you can tell that they're starting to sense he's got a lot of father. His, he, he has a lot of his father in him, and this could be trouble. So Owen walks up to Obi-Wan, punches him in the face, I don't. Okay, can I come just, on? Let's talk about you? it. Because this is something that doesn't make sense to me. Okay, why? They didn't want him to begin with. You're right. They didn't care. They didn't want anything to do with him. And yeah. then he's like, "Okay, well, we'll take him, but the condition is you're not, you don't exist." Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're going to get this protective, and I just like I just don't. Maybe maybe this is just me, and I'm the only one who felt this way. But I just feel like I. It just didn't sit right with me that all of a sudden he walked up to him and just punched him in the face in front of this child who he was trying to protect from violence. Well, and he didn't care about him enough to want him in the beginning. So I, I just that reaction just didn't sit right with me. Well, you got to remember, the Lars family has lost a lot. They've lost me. They've lost their father. I mean, Anakin. I, I mean, Owen says it himself here. When he confronts Obi-Wan in that moment, he says, haven't you people done enough to this family? You people. It's almost as if he's referencing Anakin. Anakin going out and slaying the, the Tusken Raiders. Obi-Wan even, fear, even speaks to fearing that the Tusken Raiders are trying to seek revenge for, for what his father, the sins of the father, have done to this family. And so they've lost a lot. And they're fearful that, you know, this, this is the only family they have left. We can't possibly lose him as well. Luke, were you kind of feeling that way about it? I mean, it is, it's kind of jarring because you jump from time periods and it, he does seem a little reluctant to take on Luke in the beginning. But I mean, after three years of knowing probably this is really the only family, family you have left. He, Owen says, I've been protecting him for years when you weren't around. Like, I don't need your help now. Like, were, were you a little, were, were there some, you know, it was a little uneasy at times, wasn't it? Yeah, Owen, Owen's an interesting character, and we get so, so little of him in in the movies when you really think about it. I mean, he barely, 
in the prequels, the young version has like a line or two, maybe, you know, you yeah. don't get a lot. And then the drop off scene, uh, you know, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, there's no dialogue. It's just, here you go. Here's the kid. Yeah. And so really so much of what we have to go on is just the kind of gruff, uh, you know, Owen we get in a new hope. Yeah. And so much of everything is, is based off of the few lines that he really has in the end, other than talking about, you know, which, which droids to buy and things like that. Um, but the, the lines about his personality and the way he feels about Luke and, and, and Obi-Wan, um, which is, I think is, is a brilliant part of this book and just a good advertisement for the book in general is how much these authors pull out of tiny moments in the yeah. movie, 30 seconds in the movie, a minute in the movie, uh, one line in the movie. You know, I think so much of canon around Owen is just based off of him calling Obi-Wan a crazy old wizard. Yeah. And so then you had to spin out this whole, whole backstory about like, uh, a, um, a friction between the two of them and him feeling that, yeah, Obi-Wan's a bad influence and he just needs to stay away because Luke will be better off without yeah. this whole Jedi nonsense. I, what I'm struggling with a little bit though is, well, Holly, were you saying that the, the Lars didn't want Luke? I what is that? Like, where does that come from? I, it was just the interaction that they have in the beginning of the story. Oh, okay. Obi-Wan drops yeah. him off and he like, that family doesn't want the child and Obi-Wan has to like it to me, the way that I interpreted it was that Obi-Wan pretty much begging them to take the child. And so then Owen is like, okay, fine, we'll take him, but only under one condition. It has to be under my condition. And yeah. that's that you don't exist anymore. Well, and that he can know nothing of his father. He yeah. Said. yeah. So Obi-Wan told him everything, right? Yeah. I think that what, what that speaks to is just kind of his cautious nature, uh, Owen's caution, cautious nature and wanting to protect his family. Yeah. And when this baby first shows up on his doorstep that he has no idea about, he doesn't immediately view it as, as family. Yeah. And so he's thinking of himself and Baru and protecting them. Yeah. Um, but he, he comes around, I think, to accepting him as family, but saying the only way for me to protect him, protect me and Baru is for you Obi-Wan yeah. to stay away because you're trouble and your people are trouble. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just, he's one of these people who seems like really insular to me. Like, um, he's not going to, uh, maybe have empathy with many people outside of his very closed circle. Yeah. But if he lets you into that circle, I think he really does care about Luke and, and wants what's best for him. He just might, uh, not want what we think is best for Luke from our point of view. Yeah, I mean, like, Owen probably hasn't seen a ton of the galaxy either. And to him, like, keeping him on this farm, not interacting with anyone. So you, you even pick that up in A New Hope when we meet Owen for the first time. He He's kind of a dick. Like, he just kind of is. He's kind of rude to people, just like, kind of get off my property. We'll take the droids. Luke, go back out and fix evaporators. Like, it's just a simple life and it's, you know, to detract from attention, but it, it's kind of mind blowing that like Obi-Wan told him everything. He told him what happened to Anakin. He told him he's now this, this pure evil. He can never know what became of his father. He just can't whether he thinks that, you know, Anakin survived there on Mustafar. I don't know, but he said, this is what this heritage is capable of. And, and then Owen's like, well, then you can't be around because Anakin became that in your presence. He became evil with you as his mentor. If you were to also fail this one, we'd be in the same situation here. But then he like, I don't know. I'm not buying it. I. It could he, be the cold. It could be. No, then he's like getting all mad at Obi-Wan. Like, bro, he just yeah. saved your nephew yeah. and you claim to be doing such a good job of raising him and protecting him. And yet yeah. you weren't there. Hey, that's fair. No, it, there, I can definitely sense a reluctance to take on this child. Hey, Brew and I got this thing going on here at the farm. Like, I don't, you know, we don't know really what the future holds. Maybe I'm going to run off and do something else for a living. And now you're throwing this child on me. Well, it just seems like an odd reaction to punch someone in the face who just like, whether you want them, like, I don't know. 
Well, and because he, he tells Obi Wan, he's like, "I will protect him. Like I'm the one. I'm the only one who will do this." Well, that's the thing. So Obi Wan says that too. Like I was, I was trying to help you, and he says, "We don't need your help." I've been I've been fighting off bandits for years without your help. We're fine without you. Your presence, like I said, has brought more pain to this family than anything. And the fact this is what this is what ends up hurting Obi-Wan the most. This is why in this moment he actually says I failed Luke. And he's fearing there in his final moments on the Death Star before he sees Luke, he's like I failed him again. So in that moment where he where Luke is running towards him to help to help out and to save him to him. That was him failing Luke. Like Luke was getting into the fight when he was just trying to keep him out of it. And so you're right. Obi-Wan didn't put up with, it. he's like, dude, I was trying to help you. He's like, we don't need it. And Obi-Wan's like, yeah, you're right. I'm just causing more trouble. I, I failed him. This wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. It's just, it's deep stuff guys. And I think a lot of this is going to tell us, exactly what obi-wan is is going to get into in this kenobi series but before we get really into that discussion i want to bring up another point luke you were talking about um the moment they, they take these moments in in time and they tell such an awesome story such a small moment in time and tell such an awesome story i thought this was really really emotional um where Obi-Wan was talking about, you know, hearing Padme say there's good in him and stuff. And he says, no, my friend is dead. Of that, I am certain. The thing in front of me is not Anakin Skywalker. Invader says, the circle is now complete. The usurper declares his arrogance, the final betrayal. When I left you, I was but the learner. And Obi-Wan says emphatically, when I left you, like, I destroyed you. You didn't leave me. And he says, every word's a trigger, dragging me back and forth through the years. I'm standing on loose scree, a river of molten lava churning below. Is this where you left me, Darth? Or was it even earlier, when you leapt onto a speeder bike and raced into the night? Or when you held Padme by the throat? I feel my anger rising, my years of training, of discipline ebbing away. I barely hear what he's saying. Such a small moment. Where Obi-Wan seems to, you know, be keeping his cool and tapping into the force to become one with the netherworld. Yet we find out he's struggling with darkness, with ignoring all of his training and losing sight of what he's trying to accomplish here. He doesn't he can't even see straight at this point. He doesn't know if he's on Mustafar or if he's there on the Death Star. I mean Luke, are you blown away by the level of detail and how we are in Obi-Wan's mind here? Yeah, that, that's brilliant to play with that line of when I left you, it's like it, it so grates him because like the only reason there's anything left of Anakin is because Obi-Wan chose to chose to turn and walk away and didn't just kind of like, you know, behead him or something to finish the job like Anakin did to Dooku. Yeah. Uh and so then for for <laughs> for Vader to phrase it in that way, when I left you, oh, you mean when I left you smoking and smoldering <laughs> yeah. on the lava shore? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's such a fun thing to have sort of, uh, you know, the author saying, oh, Vader was sort of retconning that history yeah. to make him sound better in the telling of it. Yep. Like when, but I guess you can, like, like, Obi-Wan kind of says, or you can interpret it in several different ways. Yeah. Um, when I left you, like when I turned to the dark side, it maybe is more an accurate depiction of what he's, he's referencing. So yeah. At what moment did, did he turn away from his master figuratively, uh, by, by going down a path that, that Obi-Wan and Padme wouldn't follow him down, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so many ways to interpret these lines and take them all these different directions. Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing how so many of the stories in this, uh, this, uh, collection do, do such a brilliant job of like just dissecting every single mm. line from every angle, uh, and giving you these fun things to chew on. And it, it's, it's reminiscent of Ben Solo, right? Kylo Ren was following in his grandfather's footsteps. When he talks to his father there, he's like, you're still my son. Your son's gone. 
I destroyed him. He was weak and foolish like his father. And it's almost like in this moment, Darth Vader's like, well, of course you destroyed Anakin Skywalker. He was weak. I have now reached my full potential, and I am the master. And it, that, that, that little telling there by Obi-Wan separates the two even more in my eyes. Like, Anakin as Darth Vader completely thinking, yeah, I'm way more powerful than you. And Obi-Wan's like, I left you there on Mustafar burning. <laughs> like, what? Like, it's just two different people there to Obi-Wan. Um, and I, I, he continues on with this confusion that he's experiencing in this moment. And he says... Is this power, this torture? I am like a leaf tossed in a storm. The present and the past crashing together. I can no longer tell what is real and what is a distant memory brought into sharp relief. It's a crazy moment for Obi-Wan. He says, Luke is safe. Luke is in danger. I am on Tatooine. I am on the battle station. And in this moment, right before his death, he almost starts damning Yoda. Yoda apparently led him to believe that becoming one with the force was going to be way different than this experience. And he says, it shouldn't be like this. This is not what Yoda promised me. I am being overwhelmed. The past, the present, even the future. And here we learn that Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi sees the future clear as day no interpretation needed. He tells us pretty much the entire sequel trilogy here in this one moment. He says, The past, the present, even the future, I see things that are not yet to be. Leia slumped beside a console, her heart breaking. Captain Solo falling so far. Evil triumphant, and then vanquished, and then rising again. And he continues and says, And worst of all, Luke, as I am now an old man, his face creased, his eyes haunted. He's cut off from those who love him, consumed by regret and sorrow. It is too much to bear, a future I never want to see. It's the saddest thing I've ever read in Star Wars. A future, it's like, it's like this moment, Obi-Wan is ready to go. I don't want to be a part of this future. I have done so much to cause all of this pain that hasn't even happened yet. I can't even bear to see it any longer. Holly, are you blown away that Obi-Wan is having such a profound moment seeing the future? Were you shocked by this? I mean, yeah, I think that's probably like my favorite part of the whole story, but it wasn't that part. Yeah, come on. Pick it up. Um, it's close to that part. Oh, God, I don't even know where you were reading that from. Uh, it's up in there somewhere. Okay, anyway. Yeah. The part that I liked was where he was upset with Yoda, where he felt like yeah. Yoda, like, led him astray. Yeah. And, like, well, that's the thing. Like, what did Yoda teach him? He doesn't really say. He just says, it was nothing like this. Because I feel like, in part, I don't know, maybe Obi-Wan's one of my favorite characters in Star Wars, but I feel like to some extent he kind of did this to himself. Yeah. Um yeah. And hindsight's 2020, 20, I get that, but Obi-Wan put himself and he put everybody else in these situations and I think that in the moment he did think that what he was doing was best, but it wasn't. Yeah. And I just kind of feel like we know that because we've seen everything that happens. Yeah. And he hadn't seen it up to that point and then he does see it. But by then it's too late. Yeah. And I kind of feel like it doesn't matter if he leaves in that moment or not. Those moments are still going to happen that he saw happening in the future. And he can't do anything about it. Yeah. But he could have. He could have. But so here's the thing. At the last, last moment where, you know, he knows he's outnumbered here. The stormtroopers show up. Vader's got him. He talks about battling Vader, how strong Vader is. He says Vader's toying with him so to speak. He can't escape this. And he says, um, let's see. He says, he's talking about Luke. He sees Luke. He says he needs more than a toy fighter this time. He needs to escape to save himself, not me. And this, Holly, is the moment 
where you were talking about where he hears a voice say, go to him. Yeah. And he said, the voice in my head is louder than it has been for years. And he responds, yes, master. I'm an old man. Even if I tried, I could not run a blaster shot. Not anymore. I'll never make it to Luke's side in time to save him. So he's accepted. The only way he can help Luke get out of here is making this ultimate sacrifice. And that's, I think I said this last night too, which nobody else heard. Come on. <laughs> um, but you're hearing it now. Uh, I like that moment a lot because I feel like, you know, that does show you that Qui-Gon's been speaking to Obi-Wan this whole time, right? And he's yeah. still been there and he's still been a mentor. Yeah. And then in that moment, in this story, you almost feel a little sense of peace when Qui- this is how I interpreted it. When Qui-Gon said go to him, yeah. he meant like it is okay for you to let go because this go. you can do this, what I'm doing for you right now. Yeah. You have the knowledge and you have the ability to do this for Luke. To yeah. still give him that guidance that you weren't able to give him when he was with Owen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, it's probably tough for Obi-Wan to believe that, right, though? I mean, I, I don't know. Luke, it, it's, it's, it's easy for Qui-Gon to see all of this happening and to know what Obi-Wan needs to do in this moment to, to make the sacrifice to further help Luke in his journey. And his journey here, you know is over, but his, his, his journey to come is just beginning. Are we going to see these interactions in the Kenobi series? Or, I mean, are we going to get Liam Neeson coming back? And also, are we going to see Qui-Gon also a little, I mean, a little distraught from what he's put Obi-Wan through? It, you have to feel for Qui-Gon even in this moment. Like, this is my, this is my Padawan. I left him here. He's become a great Jedi, but look at this burden that he bears, that he's been bearing all of these years. What do you think, Luke? We'll start talking about what we're expecting from this Kenobi series now with all this knowledge we have that Kevin you know, Scott has bestowed on us. What, what do you think we're going to experience here uh, in a, a, you know, some communication with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan? What's that going to be like? I definitely think there's a huge opening for a lot of Qui-Gon in the Obi-Wan series. And I hope the the creators of the show, the writers, uh, Deborah Chow, who's slated to direct it, are including that in, in their planning. And, and, and hopefully Liam Neeson is on board uh, to, even if it's just voiceover and you never see him, or if we get the whole blue glowy experience with Qui-Gon, yeah. I, I would... Yeah, I'm leaning more and more towards <laughs> expecting it, which is a dangerous thing to do because uh, you don't want to kind of let your expectations get ahead of you uh, and you want to enjoy what, what what comes out. Yeah. But I definitely okay. think there's a, there's a huge opening and in, in, in purpose and role for Qui-Gon in the Obi-Wan series coming up. Uh, and, and like what, what's interesting to me about Qui-Gon as a Jedi compared to so many other uh, Jedi characters that we – we see throughout this story and it connects back to a, a couple episodes ago when we were talking a bit about Luke at the end of the last Jedi. And, and, and I was saying, I don't think it was sort of exhaustion or depletion of projecting himself to create that, yeah. that made him become one with the force. I felt he thought it was just his time in terms of he'd done what he could do to help the light side in, in the physical form, and it was just time for him to move on. Yeah. And I think the same thing here with Obi-Wan. He'd done what he could physically. It was, it was time for him to let go. Whereas Qui-Gon, he didn't, he didn't make that decision. Yeah. Maul violently ended him. You're right. Um, he doesn't get that, that kind of transition to say, it, it's my time to go. So he still has, like... Um, like I don't know, more unfinished business than the than the rest of them when they when they when they go. And so I think he is like could could be the most active force ghost of all. Yeah. He still had had a lot of influence to give. Absolutely. I mean and one of the first that we at least we think to to really make that transition into to what some of us call like the netherworld of the force. Holly, what are you expecting from from these moments maybe that will get master and apprentice back together again. Um, I don't want to see 
Liam Neeson. Oh, hot <laughs> take. Let's go. But I do want to hear him. Yeah. Um, I think that that will be really crucial to seeing or or maybe just like very brief moments, you know, yeah. getting, you know, fewer moments of hearing him. Because really what I want, and I say this every time we podcast about speculating, like, and like Luke just said, I do not go into things with expectations. That's good. I don't. But since you're asking me yes, I am. to have an expectation, I really want to feel that despair and that loneliness from yes. Obi-Wan. But then I think that that's tricky because we know that his story doesn't end well. And yeah. if Dave Filoni and John Favreau say that Star Wars has to be a story of hope, yeah. I kind of feel like I'm not really going to get that. Nope. So I don't know. I kind of just like want to see Obi-Wan go through it, but... Now, I, Holly, I couldn't agree with you more. And here's why. I have been calling for a very not hopeful, just disparaging Kenobi story. I want Obi-Wan at his knees. And if I, you know, didn't believe it then, I believe it now after reading this story. Obi-Wan is conflicted with his past his purpose for the future, the loss of his brother. There's so much he's going through. I just want it to be miserable for him. Well, here's the thing. In the best way possible. Yeah, because that's the thing with Obi-Wan is that he's a very relatable and believable character. People say, you know, Luke Skywalker is so relatable, this and that. But to me, I think that Obi-Wan is one of those characters because he tries to do... Things by the book. He's a big stickler for the rules. He wants to do things the right way, but it always backfires on him. And no matter what he tries to do from like, just like from the heart, it just doesn't work out for him. And I feel like that's so true for a lot of people. I feel like that's why eventually people are like, screw it. I'm just going to do whatever I want them. But Obi-Wan doesn't really get to that point. Yeah. You know, he still tries to play by the rules and then, you know, he puts it all on him when it goes wrong. And I feel like I know a lot of people like that. You know, yeah. I'm trying to do the right thing. It doesn't work out. It's probably my fault. So I'm going to punish myself for it. Yeah. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And he is one of the most complex characters up there with Darth Maul at this point on the opposite side. And and you mentioned, you know, Qui-Gon, you know, Liam Neeson not making an appearance. I actually think that could be way more impactful. I know everyone wants to see... Liam Neeson again, just like they wanted to see Hayden Christensen. I think that's awesome. There's rumors out there. That's why we're talking about this, that Hayden Christensen could be making a comeback here in the series. And you know what? If they're going to do it, that's cool. And, you know, would it be cool to see Liam Neeson again? Sure, that'd be awesome. But to be honest, if we're going to get flashbacks like this, as impactful as they can be, and then hearing Liam Neeson, I thought it was so cool when Anakin was cutting down the Tusken Raiders, you just hear Qui-Gon yell out, Anakin, no. I thought that was amazing. And it's almost like everyone's expecting Qui-Gon to show up. I honestly think it would be way more impactful to have to listen to the wisdom that Qui-Gon is going to pass on. Well, not even just that, but if we're if we're reading this story, and I think that one of the things that we all really liked about this was that moment when he hears Let's go. Qui-Gon, and yeah. he's like, you know, that's the loudest didn't see him. that I've heard that voice. I feel like if you have this Obi-Wan show where you actually see Qui-Gon, it takes away from those moments in the storyline that we're getting here yeah. about why it was so important that Qui-Gon would come to him in those final moments. I yeah. feel like if he's going to see him and have those interactions, like those physical interactions with yeah. him as a force ghost or otherwise throughout the series it kind of negates that yeah in the book yeah no you're right you're absolutely right i think it would be i think it would it would kind of contradict us a little bit but i think you're right like and i also think it would be way more impactful and you know what like i'm sure we all thought that obi-wan i mean obviously he's been through some stuff we see from the movies he's lost his you know his master he he loses his brother 
and we all know he ends up being that hermit there on Tatooine. Obviously, things don't seem to be going so well for Obi-Wan. But what this book really did for me is it really showed me, like in The Last Jedi, what a burden it is to be the master, right? Almost like he has to let Luke come up on his own and let, kind of like Cal does, spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. let the Force decide. I've intervened so much, and you know what? It's just caused a bunch of crap. I'm going to have to put this aside and I'm going to have to let the force bring this one up and hope that he becomes the hope that we all need in this moment. And you know what else it does? It shows me the burden of, you know, being that master, but it shows me just how similar Luke and the last Jedi, how similar he became to his old master, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, boy, a dark place Obi-Wan was going into, losing his teachings, maybe not be able to control himself in that moment. It's a similar sacrifice that Luke was making, right? Cut himself off from the people that he loved. Had to. It's what he had to do. Had to go to that place, had to hit rock bottom to know what his purpose was in the future. I love it. It, it To me, it intertangles. It, it, it just... It connects those two characters even. It makes their relationship in the short time they had together even more impactful. And a lot of that time they had together, Luke didn't even realize because he was so small and Obi-Wan was so far away. Which is funny that you say that because, you know, we mentioned like Luke, like, oh, no, he's going to follow in his father's footsteps. But ultimately, like he follows in Obi-Wan's. He does. It's, it's I mean, Yoda told him, you know, that's that's. Like failure, it's one of the best lessons. Obi-Wan struggled with that. You know? Our 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 our, our younglings are, are they they they're they're what what is what's the quote? They are what Luke, do you recall what that is? They become uh, we are what they grow beyond or something we like that. We are what they grow beyond. Wow. I mean, in my eyes, Kevin Scott knocked us out of the park. I just It connects so much for me. And guys, I'm telling you right now, this is a blueprint for the Kenobi series. I don't want Kenobi out fighting monsters, you know, on some remote planet. I want him on Tatooine. If he fights some bandits, that's awesome. He actually says here, I heard rumors of marauders coming and I did nothing. I did nothing. Luke never would have been put in this situation if I wouldn't have failed and I would have acted when my instincts told me to. He's going through so much on this remote farm desert planet. It's so crazy. So there's a lot we can do with here, you know? We may see him whip out a lightsaber every now and then, but I want to see an aging Obi-Wan, an Obi-Wan tormented by his past, unknowing of what his future is and what purpose he serves now. I'm supposed to protect this kid. His family doesn't even want me around. I'm going to do my best to to do what I can, but I'm going to have to trust in the force on this one. And you know what? I'm learning this stuff from, from Obi-Wan or Obi. I'm learning from Qui-Gon and, and, and Yoda and what they're telling me ain't panning out. What does my future hold? Takes a leap of faith. Luke, do you have any more final words, man, on, on this story? And, and, what you think we could, you know, it could tie in with any, you know, future stories from Lucasfilm? I think I might be tapped out. Tapped we've been, uh, out. We've been Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan and hard. God, and I love it so much. He's, he's a complex character. And, I mean, give me give me 10 hours of a Kenobi series to get to really flesh this story out. And I am down. I don't necessarily need anyone else showing up. I don't really need the Bad Batch showing up to offer a hand Obi-Wan Kenobi. I really don't. And, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, I expected to talk about the Bad Batch tonight. I had every intention of talking about it. But we just went 58 minutes talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And what did you say, Holly, an eight-page story Yeah. out of an anthology? Are you kidding me? I just I could talk all day about it, guys, and that's why I don't even want to get into the Bad Batch right now because I don't feel like I'm going to do it justice. Right, Holly? That's right. It's late. This is take two. I would <laughs> say a better take two than take one. I agree. Right? Holly, I hope you feel better, too. I feel really <laughs> bad. And like she's like dying over there just like listening to me talk about Obi-Wan. She's like, end it already. No, I like Obi-Wan. I've said Obi-Wan's 
one of my favorites. Absolutely. And I think he's, he is a fan favorite, and that's why I think, you know, I, I you know sometimes I want Lucasfilm to look to the future and not so much the past, but, like, as complex as they've made Maul and they've made Obi-Wan, I mean, boy, I mean, we need a Kenobi story. Obi-Wan deserves it. He does. He do, he's been through a lot. Um, and they have, sorry, these are yeah. my final words about Come on. it. I don't think they have any option but to do Obi-Wan after he drops baby Luke off because yeah. we've already, we already know his Absolutely. story before that. We see him in the prequels. We see him in Clone Wars. Yep. You know, like this is what we need. Absolutely. He's on Tatooine. Give us the Obi-Wan story that we deserve. That's right. And unfortunately, guys, it doesn't seem like they're going to use the title from a certain point of view. I thought Kenobi from a certain point of view would be the best title for a Kenobi series, but they've used it quite a bit now and it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. But boy, with what we know his story is now, the past, the present, the future, and everything he's seeing from a certain point of view would have hands down been the best title ever. <laughs> but it doesn't probably seem like we're going to get that. But but, um, so, guys, that's all the discussion we had. We do have a few announcements, correct, oh, yeah. Holly? A little housekeeping. little housekeeping for you guys. Now, first off, I'll say we are having our next installment of Casual Council this upcoming Saturday, the 25th of July. Is that correct, Holly? That's correct. The 25th, the last Saturday for you, Jedi Knight and Jedi Master Patreon supporters. Um, so get we're get ready. We're talking about the Force, all of its history. As much as you guys want to talk about the Force, I'll talk Talk about it for 10 hours. So let's have notes. Let's be prepared. Let's be prepared for an epic discussion. I cannot wait to see what everybody brings to the table. And Holly, we have also an announcement about the upcoming book club. That's Is that right. correct? I actually have two announcements about book club. Okay. The first announcement would be that our book club meeting to talk about Dark Disciple will be Saturday, August 8th. August 8th. And that's open for any Patreon donors. That's right. To... Engage. Engage in the discussion. In. If you read Dark Disciple, you're on Patreon. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then my second announcement about book club will be that we're going to set a date similarly to what we do with the casual council. And that is that the book club discussions are going to be on the second Saturday of every month. Absolutely. So going forward, you guys are going to know exactly what day it's going to be on. I think that that's going to be... A lot better for everyone who wants to read it so you kind of know what kind of deadline you're going up against. Absolutely. A ton of our, you know, a, a ton of our listeners have other obligations and a lot of our patrons have families and other obligations. And so we want to give you guys a heads up um, with those dates and, and give you a chance to spread things out. We, we, we thrive off our Patreon, you know, partners here just joining these conversations and making them epic and we want them to be involved. So we're trying to do our best to make it as easy on them as possible. And we want you guys to do that as well. And we want to make it as easy for our listeners to join in, in the discussion and, and, and listening to these, these book club reviews. It's just going to be a good time. Dark Disciple, a big favorite in the group, Holly. Yeah. Big favorite. Um, so cannot wait to talk about that. I will that. say, um, at, um, Luke's recommendation. Let's go. Today, when I wasn't feeling so great, I was like laying on the couch and we were like, well, I might as well put some Clone Wars on. So yeah. we are watching through some of the episodes in season three of Clone Wars and we watched the episode with um, Quinlan Voss yep. and Obi-Wan in it and it met my expectations for what I thought Quinlan Wait Voss... Second. Wait a second. What? You're leaving out a big character for that episode. Come on, zero. Zero. I can't. I wish I could do a zero. I was about to go into one uh, impersonation, but I think it would have <laughs> gone pretty poorly. Wait, Michael's got one. It's it starts that... to sound like. You're sounding like Gollum. Go right? Yeah. I, I have a sick Gollum. No, zero sounds like. Um... Uh, yeah, no. I can't. No. It's terrible. Um, oh, crap. He sounds like what's his face on Archer. Oh, I couldn't tell you who's in our He's chair. like, okay. Other than phrasing. That's embarrassing that you have your phrasing and it came Wait, I'll tell you Archer's a character in Archer. I know that much. Well, Archer is a character. You're Ray. Welcome. Ray, he's very yes. gay and he has yes. that country southern. You're right. Sounds just like that guy. Sounds just You're like Ray. Right. And that's what's funny, Luke, is that uh, Holly stayed awake for all of that, but then when we got into the Night Sisters oh, yeah. and Maul's brother and all that witchcraft. 
knocked out on the couch. I had to tap her with my finger and say, are you alive? First of all, second, are you still down to podcast? So she missed out on some of the best of star Wars and that's okay. We'll go back and watch it again. But I have found myself liking to do, um, naps. No, my idea of who I would like to play certain people in live action. Nice. Like, you know, if we ever were going to get a live action, like Dark Disciple or anything like that, which we won't. But if we were, I've decided that Quinlan Voss, the perfect actor for him, and I forget his name so someone can correct me, but the actor who plays Thorne Oakenshield in The Hobbit would be the perfect Quinlan Voss. We're not great with actors' names. I'm not That's, really great uh, with Richard movies. Armitage. Thank you. That's See? why we need we didn't have Luke on for that episode <laughs> when we were referencing uh oh what's her name? The Dragon Mother. Still can't remember about. her name from Game of Thrones. There it is. Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark. I even had Jory text me and say, hey, man, that's Amelia Clark. I was like, Listen. yeah, I remembered right after <laughs> this the isn't, podcast. This isn't a podcast about <laughs> Game actors. of Thrones or actors. This is You're a right. podcast about Star Wars. Preach it, Holly. You always know how to make me feel better. There we so go. So thank you. <laughs> Guys, I hope you enjoyed the heck out of that conversation. I know I did. It got sweaty. It got super sweaty, and I'm not talking about the sweat under my armpits or all over my forehead right now, Holly. It got deep and sweaty in Star Wars lore discussion. Guys, those are the conversations that I love, and I hope you love them too. And if you're loving this kind of stuff, guys, give us a shout-out, You know, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's you know to your friends. If you got some nerdy friends who are into Star Wars, hey, let them know about Flying Casual. If you want to join our Patreon, get on there, get some extra discussion with us and really get sweaty – Go join that. If you can, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go give us a five-star review if you really like that. It really helps us out with the podcast, helps us, you know, get out there a little more for additional listeners and and just, you know, share, you know, flying casual if you're if you're willing, however you can. It really helps us out. We really appreciate it. We love interacting with you guys. It's the best part of this podcast. I mean, I could probably sit here and talk about Star Wars to myself, but what I enjoy is that I get to talk about Star Wars with my friends. And it's such an awesome part of my life, and we're going to keep doing it. If you would share that experience with with those that may be interested in that as well, I know I would appreciate it, as would Luke and Holly. Um, so we appreciate your listenership and your patronage. We, we, we couldn't do this without you. So we thank you from the bottom of our Star Wars hearts boy i need a new shirt and a shower i'll tell you that because boy it got sweaty talking about obi-wan here time of death if you haven't checked it out from a certain point of view go get a copy it's a good one we'll see you next time peace